Welcome back. We're going to talk about the three pillars of the crisis continuum of care and how law enforcement is involved in 988. NCJA, NAMI, and Meadows have been talking with law enforcement leaders across the country for years. We're hearing a common theme. They are often the first and only responders to those in crisis, and they are not always equipped or the best person to respond to someone with a mental health condition. John, what do you say to that? Well, the reality is that we need to divert people in mental health crisis away from the criminal justice system. Everyone agrees that's not the right place to treat people who are having a mental health crisis. But divert them to what? Where are we diverting them to? Exactly. That's why a continuum of care is so critical. Can you talk about the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration's three key features of what they call a crisis continuum of care or the services that should be available to every person in crisis? Yes, of course. I think at the end of the day, these are really going to be common sense for most people listening to this podcast. These aren't wild ideas. This is sort of what we would expect for any illness. Whenever anyone was in a crisis, what would we want? So the three components are someone to talk to, someone to respond, and then somewhere to go. Okay, but what does that mean in practice? So in practice, someone to talk to is just what you'd think, a 24-7 crisis hotline staffed by mental health professionals who understand these illnesses and how to respond. So 988 is part of the continuum of care? Yes, 988 is going to be a critical part of the continuum of care. The research shows us that in many instances, people in crisis can have their needs addressed by the phone call alone. And so we really think of that as the start of the continuum of care is that phone call to 988 itself. And then the second piece, someone to respond to. What does that mean? That's where law enforcement and mental health professionals play a role, right? Exactly. Someone to respond to ideally is exactly what it sounds like. It's a mobile crisis team made up of social workers, peer support specialists that have a close relationship with their law enforcement partners for when law enforcement support is needed. Depending on the resources and the scenarios, some may require an in-person response that requires law enforcement. Some may not. It could be what's known as a crisis intervention team of trained law enforcement officers, what we use in Texas, which is called MDRT or multidisciplinary response teams, or a team that involves EMS that doesn't involve law enforcement and just responds with mental health professionals and medical staff. That's important to stress here. Close collaboration and communication with law enforcement and other entities in the emergency response system is necessary throughout this process. I couldn't agree more. I think one of the complicating issues that we've been dealing with is really a lack of understanding of what's been going on in the system. And that law enforcement for many years has been the only option in many communities. And the law enforcement has said, we want to be as useful as possible, but we know that in many instances, we're just not needed on these calls. And that we're being sent simply because there's no other resources. 
But even when a law enforcement response isn't necessary, we have to make sure we're communicating with our partners across the system to ensure that we get our communities the resources they need. And we make sure that people get the resources they need no matter what level of care they require. It shouldn't be that we bifurcate our treatment simply because of how sick someone is or how their symptoms present. Thank you for stressing that, John. Law enforcement needs to be included in discussion on the full continuum. So we have someone to talk to, someone to respond, which could be a mix of social workers, mental health professionals, law enforcement, and or EMS. And then somewhere to go? Exactly. And again, this is common sense. We need to have places that aren't jails for people who are in medical crisis. We wouldn't say that people having a stroke should end up in your local jail. Just the same, we shouldn't say that people who are in the midst of a mental health, behavioral health, substance use crisis should end up in jails. So somewhere to go in practice are what we call crisis receiving centers, often called crisis stabilization in other communities. So these are places where people in crisis can go, often for up to 23 hours, and receive more intensive support. And going to them doesn't require contact with law enforcement or other first responders. In many instances, people can show up and receive help without any of that engagement. But also in communities where we really see law enforcement and mental health working closely together, these centers have something called a first responder drop-off door. So this is a designated area where law enforcement and other first responders can drop someone off. And unlike in an emergency room where officers wait hours to transfer someone, many of these locations see officers back on the street as little as 10 minutes. So the officer provides the information to the center and then they're able to get back on the street. And some of the best of these facilities, I'm thinking specifically about the one in Tucson, Arizona, really prides itself on ensuring that the time it takes a law enforcement officer to drop someone off the crisis center is quicker than the time it would take to book someone into the jail with the idea that officers are busy. And if you have situations where it takes too long to get someone into mental health care, they're going to end up in the jail system. And so these are the opportunities we have to get people out of the criminal justice system and into the healthcare system where they belong. Thank you, John, for walking us through this. But do you think it's realistic? Can we really do this? It may sound idealistic, but I think at the end of the day, this is what we do every day for any other healthcare condition. And we've seen communities all across the country in partnership with law enforcement already setting up these three pillars of care. It isn't everywhere, and it's succeeding in different degrees in different communities, but the reality is we know what to do. And we have the resources to do it. The reality is we're spending far more to do things poorly than to do things in coordination and in the way that we all would expect our loved ones to be treated if they were having a mental health crisis or ourselves. Just look at how law enforcement's been involved in these efforts through the Justice and Mental Health Collaboration Program that's operated by BJA at the Department of Justice. That's been going on for years, and it shows how justice and mental health entities work together and can learn from one another to better serve their communities. You're bringing different cultures together, but at the end of the day, everyone has the same goal, to help people and their communities. 
And it's important to say again that 988, someone to talk to, is part of the continuum of care. We still need CIT officers. We still need training on encountering those in crisis. I completely agree, Ron. I think one of the complicating factors in these conversations is while we want to avoid unnecessary engagement of law enforcement, the reality is there are going to be significant overlaps between the mental health system and the law enforcement system, the criminal justice system. That's just the reality. Even with a fully functional mental health system, we're still going to have situations where law enforcement may come upon someone in crisis. And there may be situations where law enforcement is needed to ensure the safety of the individual or their community. So all three pieces, someone to talk to, someone to respond, and somewhere to go must be supported. That'll allow us to serve our communities better. It's going to save resources. And at the end of the day, it's going to lessen that burden on law enforcement and get people the help they need in the situations that make sense. Thanks for walking us through this, John. We have to be talking with one another. We have to be learning from one another. And we have to be supporting the entire system. Speaking of other parts of the system, we want to get into a discussion on 911 and 988 next. 